Hey everybody, this is Chuck Marone with Strong Towns. Welcome back to the Strong Towns podcast. Today is the fourth day of our member drive. Tomorrow's the last day. Um, we're sitting in the mid 1700s. I'm recording this, uh, late on Wednesday and, uh, we're at, uh, 1745 right now. My guess is that by the time you'll get this, we'll be over 1750. Trying to get to 1800 by the end of the day today because we have a big push on Friday. Uh, to get to 2000 strong. Hey, if you've been listening all week and you still haven't signed up, take a moment right now. Just go to strongtowns.org, click on join the movement, become a member. Uh, you know, support us getting this message into more and more places. Today on the podcast, I have an interview with John Perkins. John is a guy that I met in Shreveport. And as you'll hear, Shreveport uh, was one of the one of the more important things we did in 2017 and, and the Shreveport engagement was one of the, uh, the more important things that I did in 2016. Uh, you'll hear a bit about that and about the impact that our engagement and our work has had on Shreveport. If you're inspired by that, and, and I got to say, I'm inspired by it. I, I, I'm astounded by, uh, the impact that, uh, that our messages had on Shreveport and, and on the conversation there. Go to our site, strongtowns.org. We only ask this a couple times a year. Uh, we're asking it sincerely. Uh, we really need you. We need uh, to get to 2,000 members this week. Join us. Become one of the 2,000 strong. Help us share this message with more places. Help us have more impact in places like Shreveport and elsewhere. The more places we can get this message, the more things will change for the better. So head out. And, uh, and, and make your membership count. Enjoy the rest of the podcast, everybody. Take care and keep getting stronger. If what I am is what's in me, then I'll stay strong. That's who I'll be. And I will always be the best me that I can be. There's only one me, I admit. Have a dream, I'll follow it. It's up to me to try. Oh, I'm going to keep my head up high. Keep it stronger And nothing's gonna bring me down Never gonna stop, gotta go Because I know I'll keep it stronger And what I am is And what I am is Hey everybody, this is Chuck Marone with Strong Towns. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is our third day of our member drive. We're getting stronger every day. I have on the line here with me from Shreveport, Louisiana, John Perkins. John, welcome to Strong Downs Podcast. Thank you, Chuck. How are you? Hey, I could not be happier. It's a gorgeous, like, uh, single digits here in Minnesota, and uh, snow's on the ground. I couldn't be happier. I, I like winter. How about you? Oh, I hear you. It's a freezing cold, 51 degrees in Shreveport right now. <laughs> it went down to 34. So we're bundled up and... Uh, First day of winter, it feels like here. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, but a gorgeous day, other other than the cold weather. But yeah, and I'm so excited to uh, be a part of Strong Town. So happy to talk to you today. I was trying to think about when we first met. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was at the Friendship House where we met for the first time. Is that true? It, it was at the Friendship House in Allendale, and uh, as you were going around the room greeting everybody. I said, hi, Chuck, I'm John Perkins, and I'm a Strong Towns member, and you sort of look taken aback. <laughs> You're surprised to meet a Strong Towns member, but I, 
I had uh, joined after the membership drive that year. And so I was excited and kind of couldn't believe I was actually shaking hands with you after my journey through the Strong Towns uh, educational network, as it were, <laughs> getting edu- re-educated. So it was a fantastic day for everybody, including all of Shreveport. They just didn't realize it at the time, I guess. Can you describe the Friendship House and what was going on in Allendale? Because I did not know what to expect. I was brought to Shreveport, and I don't know if you knew this backstory or not, but I had had a really, really long week. I remember feeling like my voice was shot. I was just like eating halls <laughs> one after yeah. another, trying to stay upright. And we had tacked this stop onto the end because we had some people, you included, who were very enthusiastic about having us there. And I remember getting there thinking, what the heck have I got myself into? <laughs> this wound up being the most memorable stop of the entire year last year. So can you describe the Friendship House and what was going on and, and what happened there during our conversation? Yeah, sure. The seed of the idea to bring you to Shreveport actually happened in Friendship House. Uh, There's an organization here that's uh, branching out of Shreveport throughout the nation, and it's called Community Renewal International. And they intentionally place homes with sort of mentoring uh, families there. So there's a couple that lives in that home. And the center room, the first room that you came in of that uh, friendship house is the public room that's for the neighborhood to have a place to gather and to bring children in that need after school assistance. And they intentionally place those homes in in neighborhoods that are uh, disadvantaged to give them a leg up, uh, sort of a foundation. So when I-49 was being uh, talked about coming back for a third at bat to try to get it punched through Allendale, which is a black neighborhood, inner city neighborhood, to try to get this inner city connector built, a group of neighbors just started saying, what's going on here? And they started meeting once a month in uh, the Community Renewal Friendship House there in Allendale and uh, sort of organically formed a learning community that just studied the issue. Because most people don't think about infrastructure and uh, why would one want to see a highway built through a city. It really was so nebulous, uh, cloudy, and and fuzzy. They just started studying the issue. And at one point, when I got involved, I started posting articles. Uh, I was asked by a friend to look into this and find out what's going on. I'm a curious guy. And I started finding your articles and your podcasts and, and those fantastic videos And I started posting them to the group's Facebook page, like, hey, have you guys seen this? And so they invited me to the meeting. One thing led to another, and we started uh, talking. We went down to City Hall to share with them (laughs) what we'd learned. They were going to vote to choose a route through the neighborhood, which was premature. We weren't at that point in the study, but I guess they wanted to get on the funding list with the state, (laughs) which (laughs) there is no money to build a highway anyway. So we realized we were smarter than the city fathers were, that, that they were ignorant of uh, inner city highways. And at the next meeting, we were talking, well, we need to educate, you know, raise the level of conversation. And we started talking about who we could bring in to speak, you know, maybe start a speaker series. And I'm sitting next to a young engineer. I'm young, too. I'm 59, but this guy's really young. And uh, he says, uh, well, you know, I've been 
see in this uh, strong towns, there's a guy, Chuck Morono, and then the fanboy in me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Chuck Morone. <laughs> I've been listening to his podcast. And so it just sort of developed out of that, you know, and it became a thing where we knew we needed to start bringing in some speakers that we create events and uh, because they weren't listening to us. And Shreveport's a town that loves an outside expert. And uh, that's how we came to bring you into that room. It was a fantastic day. I'm sitting there in that room and I'm hearing this story about, you know, basically the state's. And with the support of the local government, their plan to run this highway, this basically like shortcut kind of bypass thing through the middle of this poor neighborhood. And I'm looking around the table at the people whose houses will be destroyed. They are real people. And not only are they real people, they were kind and generous, passionate and intelligent I think I got more hugs that day in, in that little bit of time than I have gotten, you know, in, in all my time at Strong Towns. These were people who really felt like no one listened to them. Exactly. If you feel unheard, if you go to your government and say, listen to us, that's what American government's about is, is the right to go down and appear and speak for three minutes apiece. Well, they were mad at us. And my own councilman, I don't live in that district. I'm a outside advisor to the group. I don't actually live in the neighborhood, but my own councilman scolded us and then their councilman scolded them at length. But when we got up and went out of there, the media followed us out into the hall. And that was when we had this moment of realization that we were actually better educated on the subject. So when you come in and you're actually listening to them, that's a unique moment for them. They're not used to being heard. We were kind of laughed at, you know, this unruly band of rebels that's trying to stop progress. <laughs> and, and so uh, we were often dismissed and ridiculed and now not so much, you know, but yeah, that was a momentous time. I, I got to say it affected me. It was very moving to me to see, you know, not only what was being proposed, which was horrible, but to meet the people in the neighborhood and, and really hear and understand their story. We did an event that night. We did a public event. And then the next day we had a bunch of walking tours and other kind of things where we, we really tried to dig deep into stuff and have a conversation. But then a couple months later at strong towns here, we, we dedicated a whole week to the Shreveport story and to this neighborhood and, and what was going on. You and I had an opportunity to chat about the impact that that had. I knew that it had had an impact. I was not aware of some of the things that have gone on subsequent. So, so maybe we can talk about, if you wouldn't mind, the impact of that event on the dialogue and then the impact of our work that week in looking at Shreveport and just how that has affected the, the conversation there. It's more than we could have ever imagined. Uh, you know, I was talking to Tim the other day and he told me that the uh, Chamber of Commerce was why'd you bring this guy to town? <laughs> Why'd he write all those articles? And Tim said, well, uh, we just brought him to town to hear what he had to say. And he wrote the articles, but that's how impactful they were changing the conversation. It got a lot of attention. Uh, we published them and republished them on Facebook and social media, uh, brought printed copies to uh, the cog meetings to be sure they went into the record. Ultimately, 
as lawyers have become interested from around the country, we're getting a lot of good attention. Uh, Sierra Club has uh, put a staff member on to study these issues. As a matter of fact, uh, Sierra Club's legal department out in Oakland, California, the head of the legal department's made this particular case sort of his project, those articles were just a quick way to inform him on what's going on. And he says he can't wait to come to Shreveport and meet everybody and hang out with us and and learn more. So uh, as different parts of the regions of the country have been exposed to what's going on here, it's shortcutted a whole lot of stuff to be able to get national attention from the East Coast, the West Coast, the Gulf Coast lawyers. And then we even have four local lawyers now that are going to be sort of boots on the ground folks here in the uh, jurisdictions. So that whole moment, which was a total shock, a wonderful surprise to us, actually sort of pivoted the energy of the whole uh, experience. When media contacts us and wants to learn more of the first thing we do is say, hey, have you seen the Shreveport stories on, on Strong Towns and let them read up? And it, it it sort of brings the story into focus. And then we can go from there and talk about the issues with uh, the park that was in the way of the highway. And then the mayor made it not be a park anymore. So that's a legal question that is going to be challenged. And all of those sorts of things that you guys covered It's just been unbelievable, and a lot of people just talk about it. It was maybe their first introduction to Strong Towns. I was looking on Facebook, and I've got 50 friends. 50 of my friends are uh, now Strong Towns followers of your Facebook page. So uh, when I first joined, I think I was the only person I knew that was on that Facebook page, you know, so it's it's been an amazing trip, and it's not over yet, but we're changing venues now, moving from the uh, the COG and the, and the MPO system, which is so broken, and I had no idea. You know, it's just one heck of a mess. And uh, we recently went and uh, appeared before the uh, FHWA uh, brought a group of folks up to our region because the COG is up for their quadrennial uh, recertification. And Allendale Strong members were the only citizens that showed up to that meeting and they put it as far away from Allendale as they could. They say that was an accident, but, but we wound up only having Allendale strong members in there. And we talked about the broken MPO system and they wanted to hear what's it been like for you as you go through this process. And it's brutal. It sets up a neighborhood. It pits a neighborhood against neighbor against neighbor and citizens of the city against the neighborhood. And, and now you need a lawyer, you know, to, uh, but if you're poor, you can't hire a lawyer. So we depend on guys like you that make all of the rest of it possible to stand up against the system. That's basically stacked against regular working poor. It's, it's a really mind blowing thing to see. I had, I just had no idea until I started paying attention to it. If you're not paying attention, you're, you don't know what's going on, you know, and I just, I had no idea. I think, Chuck, don't you think it's basically we've grown up with highways all around us, those of us of a certain age, so you don't know what you don't know. And I was like, well, why are they building the highway through Allendale? I thought they settled that in the 90s. And so I began to research it, and there really isn't a good reason to build a 
Highway Sewer City. And who knew, you know? And so then I began to find out the real reasons why they build highways is to keep themselves busy. We're, you say we're 50% overbuilt in the nation. So what are the builders going to build if we're 50% overbuilt? I gather that they just have to keep studying these things and building new ones, even if we can't keep up what we've already built. In Shreveport, one of the things that I found kind of remarkable is you have this, I think you call them the Committee of 100, or they've dubbed themselves that? Yeah, that's what they call themselves. I call them the Confederacy of 100 Dunces. It felt a little like the Illuminati, you know, for, for me as the outsider. You have a group that has appointed themselves the Committee of 100, and it is, I think it's fair to say, the kind of self-identified movers and shakers of the community. Needless to say, it doesn't include the, the poor people of Annandale. <laughs> you couldn't afford to get on that club. Yeah, there's no way you can buy in to that. And they're self-interested and they present themselves. Uh, their qualification for uh, having an opinion on something is there. I'm a Shreveport businessman. And I say, well, you're in the third largest city in Louisiana, which yearly ranks in the top 50 states in the nation. And so what are you saying about yourself? That's not a qualification that you do business successfully in Shreveport, but there they are. And so once they decree this is coming through, they show up at the council meetings with 13 resolutions from 13 business roundtables in their vest pocket and and announce we're all for this. So right. It's pretty it. powerful. And right. Of course. Yeah. And they elect the officials because they have the money to to pay for the campaign. So then the officials become beholden to them. Can I tell you a quick story about last night's? Yeah, uh, yeah, please, please do. So uh, we're all meeting and it's now uh, uh, an interracial group. Uh, uh, As it's gone over the years, it started just a small group of folks that lived in Allendale. And and it's now uh, quite a large group and very interracial. So we were talking through... Our situation getting updated on the legal proceedings and um, and where do we go from here looking towards next year. And in walks a fella and uh, he's late and he, he signs in. So everybody introduces themselves, new people. We always, so we got his introduction and he said the reason he was there was to tell us that he was running for city council and he thinks I-49 through the Allendale's absolutely the right answer. And so we said, well, that's the wrong, this is the wrong meeting for you. And uh, an argument sort of ensued and we had to eject the guy. I found out from a friend who's in government, he's running for city council and he's trying to attract dollars from the committee of 100. So best way to get their attention is to be a rabble rouser and advocate for a highway through the city because they want it bad. We show them your, uh, breakdown of the Thai America study that says it's going to make us all uh, rich, you know, and it's not, but they went through a bunch of hoops to get to the unbelievably bad. We diagnosed it ourselves as a bad study, but to have an expert like you uh, break it down like that, well, we show them that and they just, just, they say, well, who's ever heard of strong towns? And, and the answer is, (laughs) you know, the answer is everybody is hearing about strong towns and, and it's, it's really making a difference. But before internet, you know, they built I-49 through the Southern part of the city. And so we have a spur now that goes to downtown 
and people that uh, lost their homes there, they were, they'll say, well, where were you when we had that issue? And the answer is we were all here, but we didn't have this modern studies. We didn't have modern uh, social media to communicate, and we didn't have a strong towns organization that could sort of knit all that together and support us through all of that. I, I didn't have a way to find uh, other groups. I would have had to go to the library, you know, and start looking up studies, which would have been an onerous task for a guy who's not really a professional in, in that regard. But, you know, there's other groups, uh, uh, Ditch the Ditch in Denver, Sunshine Citizens in Tampa, Sierra Club's Y49 in Lafayette. And, and we sort of share information and, and that may be how I first found you was looking at other other neighborhood associations that are still struggling with these same issues. Uh, Little Rock, Arkansas's got it going on, and I probably saw an article that you posted that somebody reposted. We're connected to all of those. It's I'm hearing you mention those, and I'm like, yeah, I've talked to those guys, and I've talked to those guys, and I've I've I'm connected to them. That economic report you mentioned, Thai America, yeah, they. They were an unheard of group that had never done that kind of a study before. So, uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was funny because when I met with some of the, the group of 100, I was told that there was this economic study that basically proved or showed how, you know, this was going to turn out really well for everybody. And, you know, we feel bad for the people of Allendale, but, you know, this is progress and uh, we got to do this because, you know, we need progress. And... So I got my hands on this study and I read it and I thought, oh my gosh, this is so bad. We went through and did an analysis of that study just because I thought it was going to be illuminating for everybody. That study was really kind of typical of how these kind of analyses are done nationwide. I wanted people to see, like I had done this before, but not on that specific of, of a project. Has this chipped away at all at the support from the, the group of 100? Are there people now who have maybe backed off from that economic report and said, boy, uh, not sure about this anymore? In a grassroots fashion, and I think behind the scenes, these guys will say that, but not publicly. They're still sticking to their story. They've now spent four and a half million dollars preparing these sorts of uh, claptrap studies, and they had a public relations firm to help them. Uh, sell this. So they were saying ahead of the, the public meetings where they pitched their projections, they said, well, look, this is going to, this is what we project the highway will cost through Allendale. You guys asked for uh, another option, the loop it using the existing highway, the loop, which is only two miles longer than the shortcut. And uh, they said, but if we go back and do that, that'll cost, uh, you know, almost a billion dollars while it's only a half million to build through the uh, highway and we can prove it. We'll release our figures any day. By the time they roll it all out to the public, you know, it's typical of government. There's so many arrows and charts and everything that it becomes baffling. I call it baffling BS. You know, it's, you just look at the slideshow and you're, what did I just see? And then you're exhausted and you say, okay, well, they're, they must know what they're talking about. After the public meetings where people were literally in our face saying, uh, we're moving you guys, we're go we're going to relocate you, sort of patronizingly. You, you don't understand. We'll relocate you. You'll be happy in your new home. And they used those figures to back it. Then they announced, well, we've looked at the figures again now, and now 
the highway through the city is actually going to be more expensive than we first thought and tacked on another $200,000 to it. So now it's going to be $750,000. Million. Uh, you know, no, yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Million. million. And, and, yeah, exactly. Seven hundred right. approaching a billion dollars. No, we're approaching a billion loop. dollars, right? And this is right. in a this is in a state that is like catastrophically behind in maintenance. We need twenty twenty six billion dollars to fix everything we got and build all of the mega projects. And they wanted to uh, tell us that this was going to make us rich. And we looked at it, and uh, a friend of mine even was uh, sending queries to Providence Engineering that that paid for the study asking them for explanation and they would say, well, we can't really explain it. We'll get back to you and just ignore it because my friend's an engineer and he was saying, well, these numbers don't make any sense. Can you help me understand them? And they couldn't help you understand them because it's impossible to understand. So we already knew it was not a good study. I'll say that, you know, it seemed fraudulent really. And so then when you took a look at it, and put it all in such clear and concise English that made it so clear. You know, this is just wrong on so many different levels, uh, including using the French. That's my favorite uh, part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from like 25 years ago or something. Yeah, as a friend of mine says, reasonable people start to come around if you keep giving them room to come around. You know, you keep showing them things like that. It's been immensely helpful, and of course. Then when the lawyers call and say, help me understand what's going on here, uh, you say, well, here's a primer. You can just read these articles for starts, and, and then we'll uh, have a phone conversation and see where it goes from there. So we've spent hours on the phones now getting them up to speed, but so much of that shortcuts a whole lot of conversation if you can start with just a good, clean article like that and maybe a a few of those, and, and it all of a sudden becomes clear that this is just really baloney is a nice way of putting it. It's all a bunch of baloney, and it's cost us $4.5 million in a state that doesn't have it. Chuck, I, was in, I started going to meetings. I, was, I think it's a very strong citizen that shows up to meetings and listens so that I could find out what's going on. And I, I went to a – there was the uh, Louisiana Department of Transportation, the secretary – Wilson was doing a listening tour ahead of the state sessions that, where they were going to discuss budget, and he wanted to hear what people thought. So, of course, all the businessmen show up, and they were saying, look, uh, we can't do all of these mega projects and fix everything unless we raise Louisiana's gasoline tax. And this is in a red state that Grover Norquist got everybody to sign the No New Taxes pledge a while back. And uh, they were so desperate to try to outdo Texas to get I-69 through here before Texas runs it through Texarkana and into Arkansas, all that sort of thing, that there was not a tax they didn't love. And they, they kind of became a taxing frenzy where all of these guys, these businessmen were saying, uh, we've got to tax every part that goes on a car that goes on a road. They, they told them, well, we need 46, 46 cents a gallon tax increase in Louisiana's gas tax to raise the $26 billion we need to do all this. And they were like, let's do it. So then the state legislators, conservatives stood up and said, I can't do a 46 cents a gallon gas tax. I'll be run out of town on a rail. Right, right. And so they, and so then they said, well, let's do toll roads. They said, well, there's not enough traffic in Louisiana for toll roads to work, except maybe 
around New Orleans. And it, it was really surreal, almost like a hallucination, a dream or something. And these guys don't usually ask for taxes. They were begging for higher taxes. Ultimately, the legislature decided they could try to get 19 cents a gallon, and it never made it out of committee. So they got zero cents a gallon tax increase this time, and they can't come back and talk about it again for two years unless they do a special session. So now I'm hearing, this is how the conversation's changing. Last night at the meeting, a, a guy who keeps his ear to the ground on the government says that the Department of Transportation is sending the message that they really not, he, he said he asked of the four mega projects being talked about for Shreveport, uh, how many of them can we get? And he said, you might get one, but the word really is now that we need to concentrate on fixing what we've already built, you know, no new roads. And I hashtag everything I tweet about when I'm on that topic is uh, hashtag no new roads, you know, fix what you have before you add. Uh, and all of that stuff that you learn by reading and listening to podcasts and all it's a perfect system it's if you just sit down with it. If, if you're uh, in a waiting room, you can read an article. And I, I tell people I try to read one or two articles every day. I became fascinated with it. And then I started wanting to read one or two articles a day. But if you can't read because you're on your way to work, you can listen to a podcast. If you have a time, those, those short videos that explained the pyramid scheme, you know, and the Hayes document video, those things are, are really great. And when I repost them, people would see them and say, wow, you know, and so little by little, I, I went from feeling like the oddball that's posting on Facebook about uh, infrastructure, and I'm not an infrastructure guy, to the guy that shows up at meetings. And uh, one guy was talking about, uh, he was an architect planner, and they were putting a dog park in the city and it was pretty controversial and I was able to be conversant with him. So after the meeting, he says, so are you a planner? That's when I kind of realized, you know, I've got it. And I said, uh, no, actually I did sleep in holiday Inn last night though. And he laughed and said, you didn't wait <laughs> to say that. And I said, yeah, well, yeah, but you know, because people that are serious about it start to listen to you and you've given me the language that I didn't have to be able to talk about it even as I drive around the country for work, you see that, um, you know, things are really messed up and, and I've never stopped at an inner city expressway to get off and eat in a restaurant beside the, the inner city expressway. And, you know, there's just, there's nothing there, but I didn't understand that that's because it, it creates a, a border vacuum on either side of the highway. You know, I just was like, why would they have that? I thought it, they put them through there because they were already destroyed and but no it actually destroys the neighborhood that that you build it through and allendale's a neighborhood that's been incrementally building itself back with the help of uh fuller center for housing which has built uh over 55 homes there to make them available for sale to residents who would not qualify for a traditional loan but they mentor them into the home the resident participates in the actual construction of the home. It, it's uh, an outgrowth of Habitat for Humanity. And following that model, they've built over 50, 55 homes. And then Community Renewal International puts those uh, sort of foundational homes in the middle of these neighborhoods. 
you guys and Rachel and everybody that posts sort of gives me the language to help translate that to people when I talk to them. So, uh, so one more, one more quick anecdote, Chuck. One day a friend of mine says, you know, they're having an infrastructure committee meeting of the council and you ought to go to it. That's kind of your thing. I was like, uh, yeah, I guess I'm off that afternoon. I could, I could do that. I went up there and learned that, uh, the mayor was proposing mayor Tyler to spend one and a half million dollars, a three quarter million uh, match with state money that was going to go away. It was going to sunset if we didn't spend it. And she wanted to spend one and a half million dollars to, uh, do landscaping on the the intersections where the I-49 goes over certain intersections in, in South Streetport where it's already built on that spur. The reason why was because, you know, the, the state money's there, and if we spend another 750000 that we don't have, we'll get the state's money. But she said that the reason why really was because the people that have businesses along the interstate were complaining that the ugly interstate was driving their property values down, you know, and before I knew what I knew about what I've learned from you guys about the effect how we have, I would have thought, well, yeah, let's uh, spend some money and doll this thing up and make it more attractive. But I realized what a waste of $1.5 million that we could have spent helping, you know, incubate businesses in the neighborhood. And so I went down, I was, I was just like, geez, I gotta say something. And I think that's the point where you realize I have all this knowledge and I can't just sit here anymore and just be a keyboard warrior. I've, I've got to go say something. And so I went down to city hall and, uh, there were a few of the usual guys that are always there. And when that came up for discussion, I got up to speak on it as uh, to take my three minutes at bat, you know, and, and I got up and, and explained to her, this is what I've been talking about in the NL cog meeting. She sits on the NL COG board and this is what we mean. It destroys cities and then you have to throw more money at policing it and cleaning it up. So I made, I made my case and went and sat down and figured, well, they're going to do it, but let me just sit here and watch. And she quickly spoke up and pulled the resolution because of citizen input. She said, we want to go back to the drawing board and rethink this and see if we can find a better way to utilize the state funds and the the other guys turned around and started high-fiving me and i didn't even wow (laughs) i didn't believe it it took me a minute and then they were hugging me that's one of those uh strong town citizens moments where you don't realize what you don't know is, is that just showing up and speaking even as one person that day i was the only one there to speak but i reminded them i was from allendale strong and that you know this is what i'm we're talking about this is our point is you're wrecking neighborhoods with these things and it was effective you know and those are the things you may not know because i didn't go home and write you a note and say thank you which i'm now thanking you because thank you so much it's been amazing like that they uh they actually asked me to come attend the committee meetings and get my input on different issues around these sorts of things they call me and they text me to let me know what's going on without me asking them. So it's gone from sort of an adversarial relationship to one that that's a partnership with reasonable government officials who actually really do want to make Shreveport and our county, which we call Caddo Parish, a stronger region of the country. They're reasonable people in government that'll listen if you show up 
and sort of give them the language and the understanding. So, uh, boy, I just hope you guys keep doing what you're doing because it's been amazing for us. And it, it was all right there. Whatever, I, whatever subject I have, there's an article or a podcast that applies to it. So, uh, it's a- absolutely worked out better. It's not over, but it's worked out so much better than I ever would have, uh, believed when i first got involved in this two years ago and thank you chuck well thank you john i can't thank i can't thank you and rachel and the rest of your staff enough and i can't wait to kick in again this year on the uh on the membership drive and um i hope everybody else will too you know the first membership drive i saw was two years ago you guys were doing a live webcast and it was like lunchtime and i was kind of eating a sandwich and watching it and I was thinking, I'm using these guys' articles. I can give them 25 bucks, <laughs> you know. To <laughs> right, right. I've, I've clearly used 25 bucks worth of uh, articles on Facebook, and that was before I got into showing up at meetings and speaking. And uh, the foundation, it's it's almost like you've come up with the probably incrementally and by accident and trial and error this perfect system of educating people on something that's so important that they didn't know was uh, important. But, you know, uh, to borrow from Churchill, we, we sort of shape our environment and thereafter our built environment shapes us. But I had thought that before. I was like, geez, we're building all these ugly, you know, storefronts. What happened to the good old days when we used to build beautiful buildings incrementally, one building at a time as we needed it? And grew downtown that way, but now we build these strip malls and then they fall apart. All that sort of stuff I'd had, I I understood on some level that it was wrong, but you tend to just say, well, it's the way it's always been. It's progress, but it, it, it's progress in the wrong direction. So thank you. Thank you, John. (laughs) I do appreciate it. You guys have been an inspiration to me as well. And I'm just I'm happy we've been able to make the connection and I'm happy we've uh, kept in touch and I'm I'm really looking forward to everything you've got coming up next. I want to get this sort of Damocles off this neighborhood in Treeport and let them continue to move on and make progress and build momentum. Let's kill this highway once and for all, right? We need to uh, and let's kill the whole system that's still building highways, Chuck, when we don't need them. I, I believe it. We're 50% overbuilt in Louisiana. Tim, an engineer, tells me, but we're 50% overbuilt all over the country. We need to fix what we have. And and I don't know how I found you, but you know, it had to be stumbling around on, on the internet looking for help. And I'm so glad you guys were there and continue uh, your success in the future. I'm excited to see how how you guys have grown in the past two years because uh, it's invaluable to little guys like me that uh, I have no expertise in it, but I've had to sort of get it. You know, I've had to dig it out for myself and you guys make that possible. And if I can do it, <laughs> if, uh, if I could do it, <laughs> anybody can. The, the information's there and it's so much easier than having the old days, having to go to the library and then find out, no, that's not here. You'll have to go to another library and all that sort of thing. This is all right there at our fingertips. So uh, God bless you guys. You've really been a, a, a godsend to us. It's an amazing gift to have all of that. And uh, for 25 bucks, 
that's I can volunteer to give you. Now I've moved up to the next level last year and I'm given a little bit more. So uh, I'm so excited to be a part of, of helping other people now. And if there's any way I can help anybody, they can find me on Facebook and at 3000 friends of Allendale Strong's our Facebook page. And I would love to share articles and information. If somebody's trying to get started from square one, I'm, here to help people because this is wrong it's wrong for america so anyway thank you so much chuck well thank you john i love what you're doing so please keep in touch i will i can't wait to see it at the next event i'm looking forward to hearing you speak i've heard you two times now so i can't wait to make it a third time soon i hope i hope we run into each other again soon too i hope to get back to shreveport actually so let's make that a goal for 2018 i would love to do that that's a great goal, and who knows, we may be uh, calling on you for some help with the legal stuff, too. So uh, I'll leave that up to the lawyers. I'm so glad to have lawyers now. Yeah, no kidding. A new world for us. Okay, and I'm so glad to have you. Thank you so much, Chuck. All I right. really appreciate you. You take care. Thanks, Chuck. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If what I am is what's in me, then I'll stay strong, that's who I'll be. And I will always be the best me that I can be. There's only one me, I admit. Have a dream, I'll follow it. It's up to me to try. Oh, I'ma keep my head up high. Keep on reaching high. Never gonna quit, I'll keep it stronger. And nothing's gonna bring me down. Never gonna stop, gotta go. Because I know I'll keep it stronger. 